0: clowns on the left
2: and the jokers on the right
0: and join michael smirconish right here in the middle
2: this is the smirconish podcast for independent
3: minds i'm sitting here reading the monday april 1st but it's not an april fool's joke the monday april 1 1968 new york times lead story and wondering if there is a parallel to something taking place today just think about that. Don't call me on it, but you very sophisticated political experts who listen to the POTUS channel, just ask yourself, what what happened at that time that Michael could seemingly link to what's going on today? Here's how I get there. Yesterday, I came on air, and it was rather extemporaneous of me. Sometimes it is, and sometimes it is not. But I was going through all the news of the day, and just as I told you, I was determining what will make the cut for the daily com newsletter. And I was, I was taken with the negativity, just the funk, the climate of so many things that are going wrong right now. Inflation skyrocketing. The gas prices at a all-time high. The Dow, which has been on such a rocky course and now plummeting. And if we're not entering a recession, we sure are close. Rent up. COVID concerns again. The school district in which I'm broadcasting right now, kids are wearing masks again. Uh, power outages now a prospect because of energy concerns for the summer um, formula you know babies with what what could be a more potent political issue than babies without formula title 42 maybe going away Monday but the, you know the lingering issue of migrants crossing the border in some mass migration event, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, although I must say, and I don't like it, not getting the attention, just as I've been working away for the last three hours in this studio, keeping an eye on what's going on in the cable world, not much in terms of coverage of the situation in Ukraine, and not because it's gotten any better. My God, look at look at the story that I, I posted today in the newsletter about the New York Times and their... Uh, I don't know what they call the unit, but there's an investigatory unit that takes a hard look at videos, drone images, still photographs, and then pieces together what transpired. They tell the story of the execution of nine Ukrainian men by Russian soldiers in Bucha. So it's not like anything's gotten any better over there. It's just that there's so much news. I mean, you know, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Been a big week. Americans are diverted. But my point is this. There's a lot of bad news out there and I don't see and I said this yesterday and I don't want to duplicate all the thoughts that I offered here yesterday, but I I just don't see how a corner is going to get turned between now and the midterm elections. I contemplated having a survey question today at smirkconish.com as to exactly that, you know, give the list of some of these factors that I've just identified and then say, is any of this going to get better or worse between now and the midterms? And as you also well know, a a party in the White House traditionally suffers big losses in a midterm election. So there's like the historical model and then you throw in all of this. It does not bode well for the president or his party. And the president's approval rating, you know, shows all of that, which the, the, the result of all of that, which I'm talking about.
2: This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM.
3: Spring, is that
4: you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Superlight Tree Runner on your next adventure. Visit allbirds.com and use code super24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's allbirds.com code super24.
3: Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV4.
2: Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app.
3: I just took a look at a morning console Politico survey because it's very recent. May 13 through 16 is when it was commissioned. The president's approval rating at his disapproval rating, pardon me, his approval rating is at only 44%. When I looked at that, I thought, geez, even that sounds high. Because I've seen lower. And indeed, here's Quinnipiac, came out two days ago that has him at 35. So let's say it this way. Somewhere between 35 and and 44% is the president's approval. And then there's another story that Amy Parnes and Hannah Trudeau published at The Hill, also in the newsletter today, headline speculation over whether Biden will run again heats up. And Parnes and Trudeau say this everywhere you go in Washington, people are wondering the same thing. Will Joe Biden run for reelection? The 79 year old Democrat and his closest allies say he wants a second White House term and he plans to run again. Biden told former President Obama he intends to launch another bid. But that hasn't silenced the whispered questions about whether he will do so given his age. He will be 81 in November of 2024 and his rocky approval ratings. The party is also bracing for a difficult midterm election season and some think negative results could change the president's calculations. Then there's a quote from a Democratic strategist unnamed who says if he's weakened, the sharks will be circling the tank. Few doubt Biden's desire for a second term. Some Democrats are convinced he'll do it regardless of the skepticism of many others in political circles. And then begins the speculation of, would Kamala Harris be the obvious successor? What about Secretary Pete? Elizabeth Warren said she's not getting in if Biden is in, but if Biden's not in, would she get in? And of course, Bernie's going to run forever. I'm convinced. Now, I also said yesterday that... On every one of these issues, I think that there is a worthy conversation, not a clear answer as to whether it's properly the president's fault. You know, are the gas prices his fault? The response from the energy secretary in the White House is to say, hey, you know, all these supply chains have been disrupted by COVID and now Russia's invasion of Ukraine. It's not Biden's fault, despite the little sticker that some of you are putting on your gas pumps. Uh, the migrant situation. You know, Trump put in place Title 42, but Title 42 is a public health measure. If in fact COVID has waned, how can you justify it as a public health measure? Is it really Biden's fault? Frankly, the fact that kids are wearing masks again in schools close to me, maybe that gives cover to keep Title 42 in place. But you, you understand my point. I mean, Putin's invasion of of Ukraine. Really? Are you going to say, well, it it was the way we left Afghanistan that greenlit it? Every one of these, there's a conversation to be had. Is it really Joe Biden's fault? I feel like we often give presidents too much credit and too much blame. If the stock, if the stock market were robust right now, sure, Democrats would want to say, look at the Dow and give Biden credit. And when it plummets, they say, well, it couldn't possibly be his fault. But Here's here's the big point I'm trying to make, regardless of whether any or all of these are his fault. They are happening on his watch. And I don't think and I know, you know, Trump is is X the unknown, but I just don't think he could win. And I do believe I I have his uh, I wish good things for the president. I think he's a very decent man. I want him to be successful because he's the American president. But I don't think that is a good ending for him personally, to be on the campaign trail at his age, in his shape, running for reelection. I don't think he'll run when all is said and done. I might be wrong. I don't think he'll win if he does run unless Trump's his opponent. You know, who knows?
2: This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM.
0: Spring, is that you?
2: Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app.
3: Yeah, so Michael, what were you telling us about April 1st of 1968? Yes, thank you. So I'm looking, you've figured this out, right, POTUS folk? I'm looking at the New York Times from April 1, which was a Monday of 1968. And actually, it's a story that was written the night before. And it says this. Lyndon Baines Johnson tonight announced, I shall not seek and I will not accept the nomination of my party as your president. Later at a White House news conference, he said that his decision was completely irrevocable. The president told his nationwide television audience, quote, what we have won When all our people were united, must not be lost in partisanship. I have concluded that I should not permit the presidency to become involved in partisan divisions. He acknowledged that there was a division in the American House. He withdrew in the name of national unity, which he said was the ultimate strength of our country. Mr. Johnson left Senator Robert F. Kennedy of New York and Senator Eugene McCarthy of Minnesota as the only two declared candidates for the Democratic presidential nomination. Sadly, we remember or are aware of history what happened with Bobby Kennedy. This story says Vice President Humphrey will be expected to seek the nomination now that his friend and political benefactor, Mr. Johnson, is out of the field. Of course, what ended up happening was it was Humphrey and Muskie. As the Democratic ticket defeated by Nixon and Agnew and and you had George Wallace running as an independent. I thought this was interesting. Mr. Johnson's announcement tonight came as a stunning surprise, even to close associates. His main political strategists spent much of today conferring on campaign plans. They were informed of what was coming just before Mr. Johnson went on national television at 9 p.m. with a prepared speech on the war in Vietnam. As the speech unfolded, it appeared to be a strong political challenge to Mr. Kennedy and Mr. McCarthy announcing measures they had been advocating. The president thus seemed to be acting in the political tradition of his office, demonstrating that his was the power to act while his critics had only the critics had only the power to propose. But Mr. Johnson was really getting ready to place himself in a more obscure tradition. That vice presidents who succeed to the presidency seek only one term of their own. Before him in this century, Theodore Roosevelt, Calvin Coolidge, and Harry Truman followed the pattern. Mr. Johnson ended his prepared speech and then launched into a peroration that had not been included in the printed text, and the White House sources said he'd written himself. He began by quoting FDR. So really interesting. Nobody nobody around him even knew what was coming. He delivered the speech everyone anticipated he was going to deliver, which was about Vietnam. And then, in the words that he'd written himself, he informed the nation of his decision.
6: With America's sons in the field far away, with America's future under challenge right here at home, with our hopes and the world's hopes for peace and the balance every day, I do not believe that I should devote an hour or a day of my time to any personal partisan causes or to any duties other than the awesome duties of this office, the presidency of your country. Accordingly, I shall not seek And I will not accept the nomination of my party for another term as your president.
3: What do you think? Do you see parallels? I mean, we're not at war. We don't have troops deployed directly in harm's way overseas. But President Biden's got a full plate. Again, this is I'm not I'm not knocking him. I'm not saying, oh, look what you did. This is not Fox News. I am not saying that Joe Biden has taken the country, you know, to hell in a handbasket. I am not saying that at all because I don't I don't believe that uh, these things can be squarely laid at his doorstep that he caused not where I'm coming from. And by the way, I'm just having a conversation with all of you right now. I'm, I'm I'm being totally honest as I evaluated the news cycle for yesterday's opening of the program and then thought more about it last night. And then all of a sudden, a light bulb went off in my head. And I'm thinking, like, what, what if he said, and I don't mean after the midterm. Because after the midterm, then it would look like, oh, my God, he got shellacked and now he put his tail between his legs. No, 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 no. I mean sooner than later. And and just with full dignity say, there's a lot going on. I don't, I don't want to take a minute to make a fundraising call to be out on the campaign trail. I'm laser focused. My God, I inher- inherited a pandemic. You know we, we've got we've got Putin invading an innocent neighbor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These things command my attention. And so therefore, I'm going to I'm going to serve my 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 term for which I've been elected and concentrate on the people's business. Okay, so I know some of you are going to call me and you're going to say, no, he can't do that, Michael, because he would be a lame duck. To which I'll say, really? Right now, it gets no better for Joe Biden than it is right now with control of the House and 50 50 plus the vice president in the Senate. It's going to get worse. There's zero doubt in my mind that Republicans are about to retake, at a minimum, the House of Representatives. I I believe it's going to be a a blowout year. There aren't enough, there aren't enough Doug Mastrianos out there. There aren't enough, you know, Todd Aiken like candidates out there that can turn the tide much as Democrats are going to try and say that all Republicans are Doug Mastriano. It's, it's not going to work. Even in Pennsylvania, I think Mastriano will lose at the top of the ticket. And for the reasons that I've been explaining about the inability to vote straight lever in our state, I think that Republicans will still have a very strong year in Pennsylvania. That's my gut. A lot of time on the clock. So, so if your thought is, well, he'll, be, he'll become a lame duck, He's already in a bad position because they, they can't get anything done because of the situation with the filibuster. There, there's zero prospect between now and the midterm of any significant legislative achievement. I wish that I were wrong, but I'm right. And Republicans are, Republicans are not going to give him any, any quarter. They're not going to allow anything to get done because they think he's vulnerable and his party is vulnerable. So I don't buy your argument that he'd be a lame duck. I don't know. Maybe it would elevate his his uh, his stature. That he's he's just he's a realist. He's honest. He's just you know the house is on fire and he's got to focus on it. No acknowledgement that he couldn't win an election. Of course not. He's not going to say that. And it's it's a cleaner path than if he waits till after the midterm. So yeah, I'm I'm positing the idea that a la LBJ. On March 31 of 1968, Joe Biden deliver a speech and and say that there's, quote, he could quote LBJ. There's division in the American House. And I'm withdrawing in the name of national unity. I do not believe that I should devote an hour or a day of my time to any personal partisan causes or any duties other than the awesome duties of this office The presidency of your country. What do you think? Ladies and gentlemen, well, that would have made for a hell of a survey question. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow
2: more of Michael Smirkanish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124.
0: Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app.
2: Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com.
0: Michael Smirkanish for independent minds. Spring? Is that you? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A L L B I R D Code SUPER24.
1: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Archaea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico.